Self-service is your cosmic comfort zone. An inner beauty school where self-care is celebrated, where getting real with emotions is a treat, and an interest in thoughtful, funny conversations, weird wellness, and astrology is unabashed. It's where being a little self-indulgent isn't just a shame-free act of love. It's a necessary launch pad into a life that's wholly ours. In a world where we feel good about taking up space. Here, we serve our hearts. We learn. We talk shit. We grow. And we tune the F up. Self-service. Hi, again. It's your Australian Egyptian girl, Jericho Mandibur, and I'm the editorial director of Girlboss. I want to talk about something today that I know a lot of people from abusive childhoods like moi are dealing with, and that's codependence. And I got the idea from one of our listeners, so please keep your ideas coming. So I'm no therapist, but I think it's probably fair to say, like so many things, codependence is a spectrum, meaning... You might get something out of this topic whether you understand or identify with that term or not. So, of course, we have called on our favorite psychologist, Dr. Lauren, to learn about the topic. So stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, Jessica Lignato, our astrologer and keeper of great wisdom, is going to give us our typical weekly forecast as well as an explanation of the significance of two planets moving into fiery as fuck Aries this week. So gird your loins. But like always, we're going to start with a tarot card of the week, pulled especially for you to ponder. The card I've pulled this week is the Four of Wands. Cool, cool, cool. I think this is the second Wands we've seen in two weeks and the second Four in three weeks, which is sick. And like last week's Three of Cups, This card, in my experience, is seen as celebratory. It's kind of like the homecoming card. It feels really stable and comfortable, like the feeling you'd get from going on a big journey to see the world or doing something really challenging. And then coming home to be welcomed by your loved ones in this way that's like, ah. So it's kind of like a milestone. Some tarot readers who really focus on prediction would interpret it as interpret it as like maybe a marriage or the birth of a child or a graduation, that kind of stuff. So one thing I'd ask you is, what do you have to be proud of? So much, I'm sure, obviously. But how much are you celebrating your achievements right now, even the really small ones? How much might you want to take refuge from everyday life? by just sitting back and looking at your journey for one second and being like, damn, I'm so proud of myself and so are the people around me. This card isn't just about you, you know, it's like the people that surround you and cheer you on. Last week, this card says you're going to be a part of something bigger. I mean, you you are a part of something bigger right now and your passions and your accomplishments and creative pursuits they affect other people too, people that want to support you, even if it's just people on the internet or just people listening to this podcast right now as you are. We're all like a web of connections. So let that fill you with a bit of a sense of peace so you can come home to yourself just that little bit more this week. Up next, 
Dr. Lauren is going to explain this whole codependency thing. So time to talk about codependency. Mental Health America says, quote, codependency is a learned behavior that can be passed down from one generation to another. It is an emotional and behavioral condition that affects an individual's ability to have a healthy, mutually satisfying relationship. It's also sometimes known as relationship addiction because people with codependency often form and maintain relationships that might be one-sided, emotionally destructive or abusive. So often this manifests as an exaggerated sense of responsibility for the actions of others, a sense of guilt when you need to assert oneself, a need to bend over backwards to appease others, and then maybe feeling resentful when your actions aren't necessarily appreciated. And just a general feeling that you don't know who you are outside of that partner or outside of that family member's idea of you. That's a lot of heavy shit. So thank God Dr. Lauren is here to help us out. Hi, Dr. Lauren. Hello, Jericho. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for this. So we've touched on it a little, but what really causes codependency? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, codependency, it's such a widely used term at this point. Mm -hmm. But I think it's probably beneficial for everyone if we kind of go back a little bit and talk about the origination of codependency. Mm -hmm. So codependency, the term originated um, from the wife of one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Codependency was coined because those family members of alcoholics who were now in recovery, they still had issues um, with dealing with the person with whom, you know, they're in the relationship. And so now that person's getting healthy, healthy and they're still feeling super sick because they've experienced so much loss and so many things. Mm-hmm. And so there was a group formed called Al-Anon, which is a 12-step group for family members of alcoholics and drug addicts. And Al-Anon was formed for the codependence. Mm-hmm. Now that was code. It was first called co-alcoholism. Then it was called co-chemical dependency, and then it became codependency, and now we call it codependent. And so that's where it all came from. That's where it all stemmed from. Mm -hmm. And so, but now we really look at it in a broader sense. And it's really when we forego our own needs in order to meet the needs of others. And as girls and women, you know, we do that all the time. We're socialized to do that really, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's kind of, the question becomes then, you know, where's that, where's that fine line Mm -hmm. where, you know, we're doing kind things for other people and we're, you know, how can we love without losing ourselves? And that becomes a big question for the codependent, you know? Um, So codependency, it is a tough one and it runs rampant with so many of us. You know, I know I struggled so hardcore with codependency, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of addiction in my family. Like there aren't so many families and Mm -hmm. every alcoholic or drug addict affects you know, five to seven people in a significant way. Mm. And so, you know, I started going to Al-Anon a good 12 years ago. And when I first started, you know, I remember going in there and I thought like, I'm coming here so that I can help this other person to stay well. And Mm -hmm. when I got there, I realized like, (laughs) holy shit, this has nothing to do with them. (laughs) You know, I'm pretty sick too with all this stuff. Mm. And I was just as addicted to that other person as that person was to alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that I had to go through those same steps that that person had to go through in order to learn how to take care of my own needs and not be so dependent 
on other people or other substances or other situations in order to make me feel okay. Mm. And so codependency is really when we let go of ourselves and put all of our focus and energy on someone else or something else so that we can feel okay about ourselves. Yeah. And I guess, would you say that because that's such a kind of a long term pattern of relating to others that you know, it's 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 hard to undo that it sounds like there's, you know, programs that are designed to make it as easy as possible. But I, I guess where do people kind of start when it comes to thinking about how they're relating to others and, and kind of, uh, you know, I guess just looking at that in a way that's a bit more self-aware, like what, what's like the first step, you know? Yeah, well, I think the first step, number one is the insight, right? Because I have so many people who come to see me who say, you know, if he would just do this or if she would just do that, then I would be okay. Mm. And I think with recognizing that, no, you know, we can do for ourselves what we need to do for ourselves in order to make ourselves okay. But that's a choice that we need to make to do that. And that's a really scary choice to make a lot of the time, you Mm. know, Um, because what we need to do then is it feels like we're letting go of the love that we have for the other person. But really, we're just letting go of the attachment And we can lovingly detach and still really love the person. Because one thing that I've learned about dependency is that it feels like love, but it's really a form of anti-love. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is we don't allow the other person to be completely themselves and we're not completely ourselves. So we really can't give Mm -hmm. because we don't have anything to give. That's so interesting. And so I think the first, yeah, the first thing that somebody needs to do, number one, is gain the insight. Mm -hmm. You know, I think acceptance is, is the first thing, you know, accepting that this is my problem. This isn't the problem of somebody else. And I don't need anybody else to change in order to do anything. I need to take these steps for me. Like I'm my only true responsibility. And in order to respond and not react to this environment, I need to take responsibility for myself and meet all of my own needs. Mm. The other thing I think, you know, that keeps us really at risk of codependency is just how we're socialized to look at relationship status as being so important. You know, like Mm -hmm. as girls and women, we are taught that our value comes from relationship so much of the time. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that, yes, there's so much value in connection. You know, we're social beings having a human experience. So we need to connect with other human beings in a meaningful way. But it doesn't just need to be one person. Mm -hmm. You know, we focus so much on the one person with whom we're in an intimate relationship and expect that one person to meet all of our needs. And that's impossible. Mm. You know, we're setting up expectations that are impossible to meet. And so the first thing is acceptance, recognizing this is my issue. The second thing is, you know, connecting with a lot of people in meaningful ways, like it takes a village. Mm -hmm. And so that means with all of your friends, with your family members, with the people with whom you work, with the person with whom you're in the intimate relationship, like everybody can meet your needs and you can do the same for so many people, mm. not just focus on one person. Yeah, that's great advice. It, it also sounds like a lot of, well, one of the kind of underlying themes to um, this kind of way of relating to people is the sense of control and just wanting to control like the storyline of how you relate to people, like control your behavior and control theirs. Like, where does that come from? Like, what can people do with that? Yeah, well, you know, I think it comes from fear. Mm-hmm. You know, the only time that we feel like we need to have control over anything is when we're afraid of losing something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that just comes from 
you know, a really deep sense of fear. And a lot of times that comes from our attachment style. Mm-hmm. You know, every human being has a certain manner of attaching to other human beings. And we get that from our early childhood experiences. So we get that and that's formed by about age six or so. Mm-hmm. And that comes from how our needs were met in infancy. And like, so not to go like super psychobabble on you or anything, Jericho, but, Please do. Um, but yeah. Okay. So we, <laughs> we each have an attachment style and you know, there's a couple of different types. There's the secure attachment style and that's about 54% of the population. And those mm-hmm. are the people that, you know, they can kind of take care of themselves. They're good at self care. They meet all their own needs and they can give of themselves. And, you know, they're kind of free to roam about the universe because they're pretty comfortable in their own skin and they can be intimate with others. And, you know, they're just kind of good to go. Um, that's only 54% of us. Then there's those of us, me included, mm-hmm. who are not the secure attachment style, who have a more insecure attachment style. And those come in several different flavors, but the two biggest ones are anxious ambivalent, which mm-hmm. is like the needy clingy kid. You know, like I remember mm-hmm. my first day of kindergarten. I mean, I remember hanging on my mom's leg. I was like scared for dear life. And then in, in <laughs> adolescence, it's with your peers. And mm-hmm. then in adulthood, it's in your intimate relationships. And that's like when you are you know, texting your girlfriend or your boyfriend and you're saying, I love you, you love me. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh my God, he or she didn't text me back. Like, what, the, what, what, like, what did I do? Shit. And then you're like freaking out. And then, but you're really saying, I love you because you want to hear it back. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a pouring out. It's like a feed me, feed me, feed me, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Like, babe, I love you. You love me. You love me. You're, and they're like, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, I love you. Like, shut up. You know, <laughs> that's the, that's the anxious ambivalent. And then there's the avoidant type. And those people look super secure because they kind of, you know, keep keep everybody at arm's length and they are roaming about the universe. But it's not because they're comfortable in their own skin and feeling okay. It's because they're keeping everybody at arm's length, especially Mm -hmm. those with whom they're in intimate relationships so that they can manage their own abandonment. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes they engage in the push pull, like Mm -hmm. give you a big shove when you get too close and a big pull in when you get too far. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can that's a little bit of crazy making to be on the opposite end of that. And it also doesn't feel very fulfilling if you're the one with the avoidant attachment style. So I think, you know, that has a lot to do then with, you know, with those of us who do end up being codependent in adulthood, Mm -hmm. it does have to do with a lot of our experiences. We have to remember that any of this stuff comes from our, you know, our genes, Mm -hmm. our social environment, which is the society at large and our family environment, and then our experiences growing up. Mm -hmm. And so that's where any of this stuff comes from. And, you know, if you find that you are feeling really insecure in relationships, uh, then it's a good idea to, you know, start to read about it. You mm-hmm. know, Codependent No More is a great book mm-hmm. um, by Beatty. That's mm-hmm. a great book to get. That's a really nice introduction to codependency because, the, like I said, the first thing is acceptance and insight. The second thing is to, like, make it a village. You know, reach out to all of your, all of your friends. Connect with everybody mm-hmm. in a meaningful way so you're not relying on one person. And then, you know, I think really start to work on autonomy with, Mm. you know, standing on your own two feet, doing things for yourself, allowing others to do things for themselves. You know, one thing that we codependents love to do is do for others what they could do for themselves. But that's really not respecting the other person as a human being. You know, Mm. I used to think when I like I would do things for others all the time um, that I was being selfless and so kind, but I wasn't really doing it for them. I was doing it to make myself indispensable. And what I mean by that is so that they needed me so that they couldn't leave me because I was so afraid that nobody would want me if I didn't do everything for them. And Mm -hmm. the truth was, was like, it was just such a, a, 
a phony type of way of connecting. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really connection at all, Mm -hmm. you know, so it wasn't fulfilling for either person in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think autonomy, doing for you what you can do for yourself and allowing others to do the same. And then when you're together, it's kind of like, you know, it's not trying to like fill a cup halfway it's already filled halfway so like it's overflowing Mm -hmm. you know and so then it's it's like it it can be so much more fun and engaging to be in a relationship when you're not coming at it on e dr lauren that is so insightful thank you so much where would we be without you and furthermore where can people (laughs) find you on instagram on instagram it's dr like dr double underscore lauren l-a-u-r-e-n so that's dr double underscore lauren and then my mm-hmm. website is heylauren.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Jericho. I appreciate this. And if anyone listening has a question or topic you want Dr. Lauren to explore, or Jessica for that matter, you can add us or you can use the hashtag selfservicepodcast and we'll check it out. Astrologer Jessica Lanyarder is going to give us some insight into the week ahead. Next. It's that time again. Jessica Lignato, Girlboss Astrologer, is back. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. How's it going? It's good. How are you? (laughs) Good, thank you. So I hear we have a couple of planets moving into a kind of fiery position or two this week. What can you tell us about this week? Okay, so there's lots happening. First of all, on the 5th and 6th, respectively, we have Mercury and Venus moving into Aries while the sun is still in Pisces. And this is a real shift in energy because Aries is a fiery, fiery me first sort of sign. (laughs) This is a sign that makes us want to get up and get things done. It makes you want to go out and hunt instead of sit around contemplating love. Um, (laughs) And so this is an interesting thing because when you have all this Pisces energy, which we still do have, which is water energy, and then we have a shift into also fire, we can get hot air, we can get steam. (laughs) In addition, from the third through the fifth, the sun will be sitting on top of Neptune. And from the ninth through the 11th, we have Mercury squaring Saturn. And in astrology, Neptune governs our anxieties and Saturn governs depression or depressiveness. And so with the, the kind of like big picture of what's going on this week, we can, easily jump to conclusions that make us feel bad. And so specifically jump to (laughs) negative conclusions instead of jumping to the most logical conclusions. And so the key here, first of all, is to practice using your body. Mm -hmm. And that is what Aries wants us to do. It wants us to get up and go. Uh, Aries is a really embodied sign. And so if you can walk instead of taking the elevator, Mm -hmm. if you or escalator, whatever's in your building, if you can do something like when you get home from work, listen to a couple songs and dance in your bedroom. You know, you don't have to go to the gym if you don't have time. But if you can find ways of being in your body and using it as a vehicle for shaking off your day or shaking off whatever stresses are going on in your life or in the world around you, it'll really help. It'll really work. I mean, I think in general it works, but this week it'll really work. The other thing is to make sure that when you start to fall down a K-hole of negative thoughts and feelings, 
that you throw out a lifeline. So find a friend that you actually trust, not your most negative friend, but your most honest friend or your most <laughs> loving friend, and just ask for a reality check and maybe use the buddy system and let us, how it, let us know how that goes. Because if we're kind of holding each other accountable to being kind to ourselves and having perspective, your individual life doesn't just get better, your friendship doesn't just get better, but we have like a community of well-adjusted people making healthier choices. So kind of everything gets better for everyone. So try that out. <laughs> That's lovely. That's the goal with this podcast. And if you want to help keep each other accountable, hashtag self-service podcast or just at us. And we want to hear all about it. Jessica, thank you so much as always. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Oh, where can people find you on the internet? Please find me on my website at lovelaniato.com or on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Jessica Laniato. That's it. You can follow me at Jericho Mandiba and follow at GoBoss and at GoBoss Radio for more. Please rate, review and share this show around if you're liking it. And thank you so much. Bye.